Would you open your Bibles? We're going to do this is the first part of a two-part dealing with the high priest, and this has to deal with Hebrews chapter 4. If you would find that in your Bible, or if you have uh, using one of our Bibles in our pew, it would be on page four, um, 840. So if you would look there, we're going to begin, and we're not going to try to cover every theme that is in the book of Hebrews, so I'm going to be skipping to major themes that I'd like for us to notice. So we're going to Hebrews chapter 4, and I'd like you to pick up with me at verse 14. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Most of the world has no clue what we're talking about and what that Bible is talking about when it said that Jesus is our high priest. Even most in Christendom have no idea. I was listening to um, the news, and they, they were interviewing the cardinal in Washington, D.C., and he was talking about the uh, women's march that was taking place, or that was uh, the uh, pro-life uh, women's march that was taking place this week. And he made the comment, he said, we have a high priest in heaven. I go, oh, oh I'm glad you recognize that. Because the Bible clearly teaches we have a high priest in heaven. We'll deal more about that. But the question that we often hear and, and ask is about, well, it's all done at the cross. But Adventists have, and the Adventists have a clue to say, what is Jesus doing now? Now, it's not, not to diminish the concept of what happened at the cross, certainly not. But if we don't ask the question, what is Jesus doing now, we lose the greater picture of the whole thing that's going on. So we have a high priest in heaven, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize excuse me, with our weaknesses, but we have one who had been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. And this young lady says, I have a question. I have a question about that. How could that possibly be true? She's talking about... And I've heard many people ask, how is it possible that Jesus could be tempted in every way just as we are? How is it that Jesus could have the same temptations like us? Because if you're really honest, looking and looking back, our world is so far different than it was 2,000 years ago. In fact, it is so far different than it was since I've been born. What has happened in changes that have taken place and things that are that are going my dad was able to see the history of flight in his lifetime from taking off of uh, the Wright brothers plane all the way up until landing on the moon imagine that and in my lifetime my lands my lands whoever thought you'd be carrying your phone around on your hip you know, it was something you hung on the wall and had there. I remember when we got two phones in our house. Oh, we thought that was just the most amazing thing, to have an extension in the bedroom. That was just amazing. So how can we do that? How can we look at that, that Jesus has been tempted in all points as we are? Well, we have to deal then back with the temptations of Christ, and you can find that. Would you just turn back with me to Matthew chapter 4? Don't lose your place in Hebrews, but turn to Matthew chapter 4. Now, this setting, this happened, if you're familiar with the story, was that this happened shortly after Jesus' baptism. 
after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Standing there in the Jordan River, some of the people here that I've baptized, in the Jordan River. And it was chilly and cold. Not too bad this last April, but it was fun. And we had a wonderful baptism there in the Jordan River, right at the spot that's believed where Jesus was baptized. And so there he was, Jesus baptized. When he came up out of the water, the Bible says in verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, we don't know exactly where that wilderness is. We have some guessing, and there's a lot of wilderness around there. You can go to the Jordan side over towards Petra, which is a wilderness area, or you can go south towards Sinai. There's lots of dry, deserty land right on if you have been there and seen that. So he went into the desert. He was led into the desert, and there he was in the wilderness. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. We all would be. He was hungry. Isn't that interesting, the 40 days and 40 nights? He used other places in Scripture. And so the tempter, verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, I would like for you to notice this important phrase. If you are the Son of God. Why would he ask that question? Because Jesus' appearance did not look like he was the Son of God. And White makes a comment in Desire of Ages that he looked like he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights out in the desert. And so he didn't look like it. But this is the tempter. This is Satan coming. Do you think Satan did not know who he was? Why, Satan knew exactly when Jesus was there, because he remembers the baptism when the Holy Spirit came and descended upon Jesus at his baptism a short time before, a little over a month earlier. He also heard God's words when it spoke and said, this is my son whom I love with him, and I am well pleased with him. He knew that. He heard all that. But the tempter came and said, well, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you will do that, if you will just make that happen, then I will know that you are the Son of God, because I don't want to minister to somebody who's not the Son of God. See? You know, I've never been tempted to turn stones into bread. Never had that temptation. So if you were to say that to me, Pastor, could you turn this into bread, I would... I would smile and probably make a joke. And, because you knew, you knew already from long experience, pastor doesn't turn stones into bread. It doesn't happen. But here, this appeal that's being made by Satan is an appeal to his appetite. The appeal to appetite. And you have to realize that Jesus had the ability to create bread instantly. If he's the one which the Bible clearly says, that he spoke the world into existence. He's the one that was the great creator who even created mankind. If he's the great creator, certainly he could speak the bread and says, yes, that would be a simple thing to do. Uh, yes, if you, you're wondering if I'm going to watch this. And he would, could turn them into bread. He had that ability. We saw that demonstrated when he fed the 5,000, didn't he? He certainly had that ability. Now watch. This is the same appeal that was made to Adam and Eve. He offered him 
something to eat. He offered him something you would desire. The desire that was given there offered him something to eat. Adam and Eve. You see, it was the test to Adam and Eve, the first test. Would they be faithful to God and obey him what he said or not? Jesus, will you be faithful to the Father or not? And Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's the theme that was taken from, it is written. Remember that? They took that text as their theme. Now I notice these little ones are every word. They take it, they shortened it even down farther. But it is written, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's where the root food of life comes from. It's from God. So the temptation that was made to him was to prove to Satan that he was the son of God. A test to prove that he believed his father's words. You say, you believe your father's words, you believe that you are the son, here you are out in the desert, you look emaciated, you look terrible. If you are the son of God, let's, let's have a little test. I want to make sure. And then the devil took him to a high city, to the holy city, took him into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the temple, sits up on a top of a hill. There's the hills around you can look and see, but the temple was white, and from a distance it looked like could, there was snow on the mountain. So it's up there, and he took him at the highest point of the temple, up on the pinnacle there. And he said, if you are the son of God, there it is again, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Now Satan gets into it, and he said, for it is written, he has commanded his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He was quoting from Psalms 91. So Satan was giving Jesus back. Jesus gave scripture at the end as an answer. And now Satan gives scripture back. All right. If you're the son of man, throw yourself down. And you'll see. Let's see. If you have enough faith that God will protect you and take you. The temptation was for Jesus to prove his loyalty. To prove his faith by acting and saying, yes, I'm loyal to God and I'm going to be faithful to God, therefore I'm going to give conclusive proof and God will rescue me. Watch. But you know, I've never been tempted to jump off a cliff. Never had. Fortunately, usually when somebody does that, we say they have a mental problem, don't they? They have a mental problem to do that. So I haven't, I haven't had that temptation. I've had some cliffs that were pretty frightening for me to look over, but I haven't had that temptation. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to a test. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. Gabriel did. I mean, excuse me, Gideon did. Didn't he? But the Bible says, Don't do that. Just trust that God will take care of you. Don't need to do that. Now, in Israel's history, if you're watching and following the, the scriptural story, as we looked at last fall, they were, they were following and looking, and, and they crossed the Red Sea. How did they get across the Red Sea? They went across the Red Sea by God's miraculous parting of the water. And he blew down, and, and the winds came, and they 
dried out the riverbed so they could walk across on dry ground, the Bible says, as they went across through the walls of water to deliverance from that and one among that. And so they went across that and many and the manna falling and all the things that God had done shortly after that when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness. They were then questioning. They had all this in their memory of what God had done for them, all these actions that God had taken place for them. And they're asking, is the Lord among us or not? They're questioning that ability. Is God really with us? When you had witnessed all that, saw all that, that was the question that was given to him. You know, cast yourself down. If you, you Just see, let's see. Is God with you or not? If you are the Son of God, if you really are, then you will be caught. In verse 8, then again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said, I will give you, I will give you all of this if you will bow down and worship me. Now he reveals himself. Now he reveals himself and he's having to go out. You see, when Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden after the fall. Satan claimed that now he had taken the role that Adam was to have. Adam was to be the ruler over the world. Humans were to be the rulers over the world. They were to give that. They were to be the ones. And now Satan said, because he has done, he has fallen, he has chosen my way, now I'm the ruler of the world. And so if you will worship me, if you will grant that I'm the ruler of the world, then I will give all of this to you. I will give all this to you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him only. Now you don't know this unless you're paying close attention and you're looking at that. But when he's quoting that, all of these quotations that Jesus gave were out of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, why was he giving quotations out of the book of Deuteronomy? He, had, he could have them from all over the scripture. But he took those quotations, particularly out of the book of Deuteronomy, because it was part of the Torah. It was part of the law. Now, when we tend to think of the law, we tend to think of the Ten Commandments as the law. But in the Jewish mind, the first five books were considered the law. There was the law and the prophets, or the books of history. So Jesus was quoting back to Satan the law. The, the Torah. Well, Satan was not. He was going from the Psalms. But Jesus kept focusing back on the words that were given in the law, drawing that attention. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Well, did you see any temptations in there that look like the ones you have? Not stones. Not be cast down. Not to worship the devil so I can have everything. And we can say, well, Jesus was only tempted three times. But Luke ends this dialogue, this story, in a different way. He, he doesn't talk about that, that the angels came and ministered. His, his emphasis is a little different. And when Luke finishes this story... And when he finishes that passage, he said, and when the devil had finished all this temptation, he left him till an opportune time. 
to another time. The reality is that Jesus was tempted at other times, many other times. From childhood, all the way up, all the way to the cross, Satan was constantly there trying to tempt him. He even used his mother and brothers. Jesus was in the house and ministering, and his mother came and sent word to him, um, your mother is here to see you. Remember the story? And Jesus said, well, who is my mother? Who is my father? It sounded like he was, um, he was rebuking his mother. No, he was saying, my mission, my mission is first. What I've been called, what I said in Luke 4, what I said I was going to do. Another time a, a Gentile came and says, oh, please come, please come, please come. And Jesus didn't come. I go to the Jews first. See? Jews first. Tempted to leave the mission that he was, con- he was constantly being focused, constantly from the time of his going, constantly doing. Then he came to the cross. And if you recall the story of the cross where he, while he was on the cross, the religious leaders who were gathered around that cross were yelling up at him. And they were saying, come down from the cross. If you are the son of God. Whoo. The first and second temptation, Satan asks us, if you are the son of God, turn these Stones into bread. If you are the son of God, you know, cast yourself down. If you are the son of God, give us a sign. After his whole life of signs, here he is at the cross. And he said, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Come down. If you show us who you are. And they were mocking him. And the temptation had to be right there at the cross to say, yes, let me come down and show you who really is boss here. Let me come down and do that. And if he had, if he had been the temptation to avoid the cross, if he had done that, we're all done. We're all done. So our passage says that he was, he was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. I have been never tempted to pass the cross. I've never been tempted to go to the cross and offer my life for others. I know I'm supposed to pick up my cross, follow Jesus. But the temptations that went to Jesus far extend beyond anything that we are tempted. But what does that show us? That shows us that he, he was one of us. He was one of us. He knows our pain. He knows the misery. He knows our sins. He knows the feelings of our sinful lives. And he wanted to communicate to us that our high priest in heaven, born of a virgin, 100% man, 100% God, he knows because he wanted to communicate, we are not alone. God did not go off and leave us. We are not alone. We have one with us. 
So here this turns now. And it, it is important for you to catch the last verse I want to share with you this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, going on said, Let us then, because of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? With confidence, or the, maybe the King James says, with boldness. Do you have boldness in your Bible? Come in with boldness. Can you believe that? How can we go boldly before the throne of God? Because we have a high priest who knows our experience and who has forgiven us and cleansed us. And so therefore, he has opened the door wide open for us, wide open for all of us to come. No matter what has happened in our lives, is come on in. I have a way prepared for you. I have cleared your record by my going to the cross. You come, you can come boldly before me. You have no fear to come before God because I I've prepared the way for you. Come boldly, he says. Come with confidence in there. Lift up your head. Come in boldly so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, we have sin in our lives and we get shy and we kind of hide and we go away. And the high priest, Jesus, is say, no, come to me boldly. I will forgive you. Come and be my child. No wonder we celebrate. What a God. What a Savior. What a Lord. What a High Priest. Now next week I would like to share with you how it is possible that Jesus, who was not a Levite, could be our high priest. What qualified him to be our high priest? It's very significant to know because it becomes inclusive of all of us who happen to be Gentiles. So that, that role, how is it possible? In God's eyes, that Jesus could be our high priest, and therefore, what does that mean? But this week, I want you to know that Jesus knows what it's like to live our lives because he walked with us. He knows what it's like to face temptation. He knows what it's like to have that pull of appetite, that, that pull and that desire for something else. He knows what it's like then when we are deceitful, when we are sinful. He knows, not because he sinned, but because he experienced what it is, the pain of it. And yet he says, come boldly. Come on boldly before me. Do you do that? I would invite you to. When you're in need, go boldly to God. Go boldly before him. He says, Lord, you invited me to come boldly to your throne. You're my ears. I come boldly. And so I have confidence in you as my Savior. And so I know you love me and that you take me as your closest friend and dearest friends. I invite you in. Dear Lord, I thank you for that great, great ministry of hope. That great, beautiful thing to come boldly before you. Lord, what a beautiful thing to have. What a beautiful part to have. Jesus, our high priest, when most of the world has no clue what Jesus is doing now. How he is ministering for us and our behalf. And invites us to come boldly before him.
with confidence, he calls, that we receive grace and mercy. What a great promise. Forgiveness of sins. Cleansing. Fellowship before him. In Jesus' name, amen.